On this episode of Sessions, we chat with Charlotte Palermino, co-founder of Nice Paper, the platform that talks all nice things about cannabis. Listen in as Charlotte and Chelsea chat through the beginnings of the brand and the five things that new cannabis brands need to consider as they come to market in the ever-growing industry. Welcome to Sessions by Matt Black, a podcast by and for the creative class focused on digging into the things that make brands and campaigns go from good to great. I am Chelsea Matthews. I'm the founder and creative director of Matt Black, and I'm super excited to be here with Charlotte Palermino, one of the founders of Nice Paper. Charlotte, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, In traditional sessions fashion, I have to get to know you and I have to get to know you by asking you three very critical questions. (laughs) What is the first thing that you do in the morning? Um, so I'm pretty basic. I, I'm addicted to coffee, like most of the New York City population. So that's kind of the first thing that I run to do. But while that's happening, I started meditating about six years ago. So I make sure to get that in because otherwise, I find that I react to things a lot more. So that's like my double, my double, I will meditate and then caffeinate. Are you like an app meditator? Or are you just a, a like an all organic meditator? I'm yeah, I'm a non-GMO. Um, not GMO. I, <laughs> no, I definitely took one of those classes because being the keener that I am, I was like, I need to do a course on this and give somebody money. Otherwise, it's not real. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a byproduct of a capitalist yeah. in America. But anyways, so I, I paid somebody and uh, well, I've been doing it for six years and I swear by it. So that's incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. You just launched Nice Paper. You turn on your victory song to celebrate. What is it? Um, so I listen to an obscene amount of podcasts. I was trying to look at what my last song that I listened to was, and it was Accordion by Mad Villainy. I do love that album. So I would say that <laughs> entirety would probably be my victory album. But mostly I turn on a podcast and I'm like, all right, must see what's happening in the world right now. That's awesome. And lastly, who's your muse? Do you have a creative muse? Do you have a life muse? Like, who are you looking to that creates some sort of inspiration for you? I mean, right now, I'm feeling like most of the inspiration I'm getting is from people that are running for office and winning in places that you never thought would be possible. I find it just really inspiring and just makes you want to create things that do good in the world. But I'm not going to lie, everything Beyonce does and kind of like whatever's in your orbit is perfect. And somebody (laughs) who's been able to curate her life so incredibly for so long is just, it's awe. It's just awe-inspiring. But um, one person I want to shout out, yeah, right. Um, one person I want to shout out on Instagram because she does this awesome art with snails is this girl, Aaliyah. And she's just, she's got snail art and I'm really into it right now. Nail art, like such a unique media. I love that. That's incredible. Um, so naturally you are here because you are one of the creators of nice paper, which is a really incredible media platform centered around the cannabis industry, which, uh, we can all attest to being a very, uh, interesting and rising market, uh, to, to kind of consume today in today's Mm -hmm. landscape with a lot of, 
legal changes and brand changes and, and so many interesting kind of um, economics around the space. Um, I would love to hear from you how Nice Paper came to be. What were you doing before this? How did, how did it spawn? Yeah, absolutely. So my partner, Marta uh, Friedman, she's incredible. She's the creative director and drives a lot of the vision that you see behind the brand. Um, We were both kind of just not necessarily the happiest at our jobs, uh, mostly because we wanted to do our own thing. And so we honestly were just on my roof eating edibles and just talking about how media was really confusing around cannabis because it just wasn't you know, reflecting what we were actually doing in our lives. We were using cannabis to make our lives more productive, less stressful. You know, I think there's all this conversation around self-care and wellness. And for us, it wasn't about, you know, spending $500 on a massage. It was about literally just rolling a joint and unwinding at the end of the day and not feeling like we needed to look at our phones all the time. Um, But when you looked at the media landscape, you know, whether it was Governor Cuomo, like literally a year ago saying that weed was a gateway drug, even though science has been saying for decades that it is not. You know, there was a report in 1945 called the LaGuardia Report uh, by Mayor LaGuardia that came to the same exact conclusion that Cuomo did. So, you know, for us, we were just really confused that, you know, media was kind of still talking about it in this really, you know, clandestine, stonery way. Um, And then on the other spectrum, we were looking at, you know, people talking about it like it's a panacea, which very quickly to me talks more like, um, you know, almost like the goopification of weed. Right. So for us, it was, okay, we need somebody to talk about this in a real way, almost the way that a beauty blog would, where we want to understand the science. We want somebody to talk to us like we're humans and we want to create really beautiful content that, you know, makes weed as nice as you are, which is kind of just our, our tagline, which is we want to make content and make experiences that showcases how incredible cannabis can be while also being really honest about its limitations. And so you guys just quit your jobs and you just dove in or did you kind of start this on the side for a while? I wish I was that brave. Um, So this, um, yeah, so this idea just kind of was getting bounced around for a while. We actually only officially launched about six months ago. And the, it, we launched six months ago with our newsletter. We've had our Instagram up for a little bit longer than that. Um, but really, we wanted to kind of find a way to make it really approachable, what we've been hearing from doctors, um, and kind of tying in that lifestyle experience that we have. So my background is I used to work in editorial, um, also on the advertising side. So I've kind of had the gamut of all the experience. And um, I was at Snapchat prior to this. Um, doing all their publisher story relations. So had really great relationships with publishers, um, you know, across, you know, the world. Um, You know, I was launching publishers in Dubai, in France, in Norway, here in the US. And it really gave me kind of a, a full picture on what was happening in media. So for me, um, I really want to do a newsletter because it's a very personal experience. Yeah. So that is really interesting because, um, you know, your decision, as you said, to kind of start with a newsletter, maybe, you know, some Instagram before that is definitely, uh, an interesting medium approach when you think about, I guess, a media platform of any kind. I mean, I think you would 
maybe think, oh, you start with a site and, you know, you build your readership Mm -hmm. and through that you, you know, acquire emails and then you start your kind of email list. But you guys kind of dove, dove headfirst into this weekly newsletter. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What was the thinking behind that? (laughs) I worked for a long time in media and I saw what happened to publishers with Facebook algorithm changes. I was at Cosmo. I, you know, worked across the entire women's and multiple portfolios at Hearst. And to me, you know, at the end of the day, having a small and engaged readership that's kind of like your ride or dies is much more valuable than going for social clicks. I saw kind of the erosion of brands as they went onto these other platforms and started distributing their content. So for us, we wanted to create something really small that you can build slowly because we didn't quit our jobs immediately. You know, we did have that income. Um, And so what we were able to do was build a really strong brand through a small and loyal following. And then from there, now we're starting to do collaborations. That's awesome. And so did you find that you were acquiring a lot of new emails just by nature of people kind of forwarding your newsletter on to somebody? Yeah, I could see. I think that's a nice paper. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's how it came to my periphery. The Instagram actually drives a lot of... a lot of signups as well, because, you know, it's incredible. I honestly do believe that Instagram is a blogging platform. I've been saying this for like seven years when I was talking to Cosmo's, you know, editorial team about how they need to be on Instagram more because you can actually sell on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember those days, this was like eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. But for us, we use both platforms to kind of give some doctors and researchers a voice, but then also make beautiful weed content. Because I do think that the plant itself is stunning. No, oh, yeah. I mean, and I think that that's actually one of the um, most exciting things as someone who is also a visual creature and appreciates <laughs> creative, like just seeing the new, the new reign of, of the perception of weed and the flower through, you know, various brands and like, you know, other kinds of magazines and things like that. It's, it's really nice to see how it's kind of coming to life in a totally different visual way. Yeah, it's um, really cool to see. How do you guys kind of land on your topics for any given newsletter on the site or anything? Yeah. So March and I do a lot of brainstorms um, on a weekly basis, kind of on, you know, what we've been seeing, what news we've heard. Um, At the beginning, it was really the basics. We kind of tackle a different theme every single month, right? So it's the things that people care about. So right now we're tackling a lot around stress, holidays, what to buy people, kind of like what you would expect from a a typical... Uh, you know, media agency, but we've covered everything from, you know, the opioid crisis, social justice issues, why the hemp bill is actually not a win. I'm not sure if you heard, but the hemp bill is going to be passing. But Mitch McConnell added a clause that said that anybody convicted of a drug felony may not participate in the industry, which is clearly a racist policy and economic redlining. So it's about kind of, you know, weaving in stories of what's happening right now into kind of every discussion that we have. But yeah, we do DIYs. We tell you how to make a bulletproof weed coffee. Um, (laughs) So really, we look at seasonality. That is a luxury afforded by a newsletter. And we can then at the end 
you know, do the roundup of links that you may have missed this week. I do not want to be chasing a news cycle. It is exhausting. Also, there are amazing companies already doing it. I'm not here to, you know, be the market leader on that. Um, But what we also do is that we talk to doctors and I actually have a network now about 15 doctors, a few neuroscientists, and this is across the US, Canada, and a few in Israel. And I ask them if they're seeing any new research. And at the end of the day, a lot of the research that was conducted was in the 70s, in the 90s. You know, we still keep referring to this one study on rats from 1995. So there's a lot of work to be done. So we're also covering a lot of emerging studies, but those aren't going to be happening for a while. And that's all mostly happening in Canada. That's so interesting. (laughs) And so you guys are really kind of doing this interesting dance between, I would say, some of the more you know, playful kind of stories such as, you know, why do edibles get you so goddamn high? (laughs) Or, um, and then like the the much more serious, the much more serious topics, you kind of have this interesting balance. Do you find that uh, your readership is really kind of gravitating to certain kinds of stories? Or are they really kind of consuming the whole portfolio? It's actually been really refreshing to see our click through rates on our emails be in the high, you know, 40s to 50% and across all topics. And I think there is a hunger for knowledge right now. People do not know what to trust. They don't know what to believe. And we're just trying to give them as many facts as possible and also trying to write it in a more colloquial way. Um, It can really get clinical when you're starting to talk to scientists about what your endocannabinoid system is and what it does. (laughs) I can nerd out on science, you know, for a long time. So we always try to kind of bring it back down to earth and explain it in a way that you would to your best friend um, and just be really honest and real with them. So I feel like we just are building on our base and they just open the newsletters because they're curious to see what we write. And I was a headline writer at Snapchat for a very long time for very many news organizations. So I do know how to write a headline though. Yeah, you've got got the knack (laughs) for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, And where did the name Nice Paper come from? Honestly, Marta and I just were talking about different things. And I think, you know, Marta was you know, showing me some beautiful rolling papers that she got that were printed and were, and we just kind of came up with the name out of nowhere. I think we wanted the name nice in it because at the end of the day, this is a platform that's out here to destigmatize something that's ruined people's lives on a pretty large scale. Um, and also kind of, you know, it's an incredible, you know, property to heal people through medicine. Yeah. So we really wanted to kind of start off on a positive note where it's, somebody that's a massive skeptic will look at it and be like, Oh, that's nice. So we just came up with nice paper. I honestly wish I could give you a better story. But I think we just said nice. And then somebody said paper. And then that was that was like, and voila, we have this. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, Well, I'd love to dive in to your five things, which is Mm -hmm. the kind of key linchpin of these podcasts. Um, You know, as you kind of talked about this cannabis industry is is changing um, definitely for the better uh, and it seems like you know especially from our perspective where we're talking to brands all the time we're constantly being introduced to or um, communicating with companies who are branching into this space uh, whether it's CBD mm-hmm. or full THC so there's definitely um, this kind of rush to market that I can feel with uh, how many companies are trying to get in while the 
irons hot and, and kind of make it, I don't know, potentially to the big leagues. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you guys are seeing probably 10 times more of it from, yeah. from where you guys stand. So I think it'd be really interesting for you to kind of, uh, outline what you think are some of the, the key things that cannabis brands need to think about, um, as they come into this market, because it is, um, it is still kind of, there's a lot of unknowns, but then there's also a lot of new knowns. And then there's also a lot mm-hmm. of competition. And yeah. you know, I think that there's, there's going to be a lot of people trying to sit on the same shelf um, and, and kind of like a, a kind of, you know, who's going to be kind of first, first to, to market in a sense where they really stand out. So um, I'm kind of going to pass the mic to you and, and let you talk us through your five things um, and I'll kind of jump in where, where necessary. Amazing. Um, so I think the first thing I would say is product differentiation. Um, I see a lot of just, for example, here in New York, a lot of CBD in MCT oil like everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be really difficult if you're new to market and if you're not already established to actually differentiate yourself in that marketplace because you see some that are branded extremely well. So understanding what the compounds that you're using do and then from there back out how you're going to have a different message from everybody else. I think there's this misconception that cannabis is really saturated and that CBD is really saturated. But at the end of the day, you know, they said that about beauty, but it feels like every year there are incredibly successful new beauty brands that come out. And I think there are always going to be niche audiences that exist everywhere. And right now there is so much space in the industry, but you really need to understand actually what you're selling and why your product is different from everywhere else. And then another thing you need to understand is what market you're launching in. Um, There's medical, recreational, and then just illegal states, right? There are still states where you cannot sell CBD. Right. And I think that that's like a common misconception is that CBD is totally legal and it's not psychoactive and it does all this stuff. And at the end of the day, you know, if CBD does reduce your anxiety, then doctors would technically label that as a psychoactive, it just doesn't get you high or make you hallucinate. There's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So really understanding what your product sell is. And then at the end of the day, just why somebody would actually want to buy your product over somebody else's. It's incredible the amount of people that try to go into this space and are like, well, we just want a CBD product. And that might have worked four years ago or even two years ago, but it's not going to really work now. Mm, super interesting. Yeah. Um, so, and then I think the second thing I would say is also a point of view. So if you're not going to have, you know, something with your product, whether it's technological, whether it's the fact that you own your own farm, something really interesting about the cannabis industry, that's currently still true. We don't know if it's going to still hold true in the future, but you can vertically integrate, right? So you can own the farm, you can own the wholesaler, and then you can own the actual end distribution, right? So you can sell direct to consumers, etc. You can't do that in the wine industry, for example. After Prohibition, they created a three-tier system. So the fact that you can vertically integrate here is pretty, pretty insane. Yeah. But if you don't have something that's really unique about your product, then you are going to need to have a point of view that's different, right? So understanding... Um, what your brand stands for and who your audience is, is extremely important. I see a lot of granola, crunchy brands with the word cannabis and weed leaves all over their product, and they don't even have real active cannabinoids in it. So when I say that, what I mean is, if you see anything that says cannabis sativa oil, that is hemp seed oil that Mm -hmm. has zero CBD. So you're going to be, yeah, it's really, it's like herbivore, for example, they launched 
um, two CBD oil or two cannabis sativa oils. One has CBD and they're selling it in Washington state. The other one is only hemp seed oil, which has been in cosmetic products for decades. So it's one of those things where you're going to be competing with so many brands that have weed leaves all over their products and are really trying to like, you know, play off this bandwagon of like, oh my God, you're going to get high. But it's not, it, it literally is like using an argan oil on your face. Um, so really understanding what your point of view is, how you're different, and then honestly, different branding. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's an interesting thing that we see, um, most commonly because, you know, we do touch, uh, some branding projects and have done something in the CBD THC space before, but people come in and, and they're like often all rebelling against the traditional norms of what you see on shelves today and trying to, emulate a bit more of what we see within like yeah. DDC and lifestyle brands, which is definitely really interesting. Um, but also again, is kind of one of those things from my position where I'm like, well, this, but then that's just going to become super saturated. It's, yeah. it's an interesting, it's an interesting game. I'm like, and then what happens when, you know, I don't know, a brand like Avena all, all, or Avena, whatever, all of a sudden starts, you know, launching their verticals and they have way bigger reach. I don't know. I just, it's oh, like there have been so many brands. I think I just, somebody just sent me a brand, like a mass, you know, L'Oreal brand just launched and lo and behold, it was cannabis sativa oil and they had weed leaves everywhere. Wow. So for me, it's at the end of the day, the best way to speak to people is through emotions. Um, like 2016 taught me anything. It's emotional <laughs> work. Um, but if you can speak to an emotional side of something, whether it be, um, you know, something that makes them feel good. I mean, look at the, the plant itself. It is something that when you try it, there is something undeniable in it, whether it's THC, CBD, CBG, CBN, whatever, there's like over a hundred cannabinoids that could potentially have therapeutic properties. It makes you feel something. So if you can't make somebody feel something with your brand, and with what you're standing for, particularly in an industry that is rife with, with inequity, you're going to have a hard time kind of, I think, lasting. Because at the end of the day, everybody can have a product that can last for a few years, but who's going to actually be standing after 20 years? And that's totally. kind of what I'm most interested in are the people that know who they are, because the people that can be consistent are the ones that are going to be able to win in the long run. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay. And so what's your third thing? So I would say education. Um, the amount of snake oil I see out there is truly astounding. You can also, you know, buy, um, CBD in gas stations. I don't know if you heard that story in Utah where 50 people got super sick because they bought CBD from a gas station, which no. not surprising. It's like, it's like, don't buy like, you know, health supplements from a gas station, no hate on the gas stations, <laughs> but it's one of those things where, you know, you really have to be, you know, educating your consumer on what they're using, what they can expect to feel, and then dosing. Um, I think a lot of consumer packaged goods that you see are in the 10 to 20 milligram range of CBD. And in most clinical studies, there are no effects felt until 300 milligrams. Wow. Granted, those studies were done with an isolate versus full spectrum. Full spectrum is when you have the whole plant and isolate is just like the singular compound. So the best way to think of it is a vitamin C pack versus um, an orange. The mm -hmm. orange has been proven to be a little bit more effective or potentially much more effective. They just need more research. Um, there's only one study that we have out of Israel. But 
Yeah, but it's one of those things where, you know, you really need to be educating your consumer and just helping them understand how to use a product because also there are very different modes of use, right? If you're eating it, it's probably for things like inflammation and for pain um, and for anxiety. Whereas if you're putting it topically on your body, you actually might be trying to treat eczema. There's really good um, research with eczema and psoriasis, Mm. or it might be for pain. But again, there's different dosing levels. So if you're honest with your consumer, and if you can give them something that makes them feel really smart, and that's easy to understand, then I think that you're really winning because then they're going to take that to other people. Other people are going to say, oh, where'd you learn that? And it's like, actually, it's this brand. So being really transparent and being um, like helping with education is important. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hey guys. So we'll get back to the conversation with Nice Paper in just a couple of seconds. But first, we wanted to take a quick break to plug our pod sponsor for the season, Planoly. As an official Instagram partner, Planoly has been the go-to Instagram planning tool for over 2 million digital marketers and content creators across the globe. Their features are pretty stacked. They allow you to plan your grid, plan your stories, engage with your audience, and even auto-post, make your Instagram shoppable, and so much more. And it truly makes your content planning a million times more seamless. So we want you guys to experience the seamless magic of Planoly for yourselves. For a limited time, become a part of the Planoly fam and you'll get one month free on any new plans. All you have to do is go to planoly.com and use the code Planoly Sessions. That's one word, Planoly Sessions when you check out and then you'll get your free month. So happy planning and let us know how it goes. Cool. Let's get back to the episode. So, you know, I think this goes hand in hand with education, but transparency is really important as well. Um, I wrote an article. It was the first article I wrote for Bon Appetit with cannabis. But I asked, you know, a couple dozen companies for lab results for their CBD tests. And just be nice to people when they're asking for it. Like some companies were extremely defensive and just wouldn't give me results. Other people, you know, were kind of aggressive with me on it. So, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, just you're, if you have a good product, I know you've invested a lot of money into having a good product, be really honest with people and be happy to, you know, give that information to people. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to sift through a market that is not regulated. And that does have an effect on your brain function. It's not like taking, you know, like a collagen pill. It's like this actually can mess with things like anxiety meds, right? So being really clear about purity, et cetera, is extremely important. And for me, I appreciate skeptical people in the market because that's kind of how everybody needs to operate right now. Um, So yeah, I would say transparency is also extremely important just because as time goes on, I think that we're going to see a lot of people um, kind of rooted out um, as research comes out as you know, not necessarily being accurate or honest. And a lot of brands can't afford a chief science officer. So when you do have your lab results, share them. Yeah. And especially when you think about something, anything is a trend, right? Mm -hmm. Any brands are going to want to take advantage of something that seems like it's going to uh, catapult them somewhere that people are currently active or talking about or whatever. So um, I'm sure, you know, to your point, the people who are actually doing the due diligence in in finding the best products that actually service their needs is going to be critical. And you're going to sift right through everyone who's kind of, you know, just putting hemp seed oil and calling it, yeah, <laughs> calling it something calling else. It. Wait, well, there's this one brand that's launching in Sephora. It's called High. 
and it's with hemp wow. oil. And you're like, come on, you're confusing people. This is making my life so much more difficult. Also the name, come on. I know, I know. Plus, <laughs> you know I'm going to try it. You know I'm going to try it. You have to. It's I your know, job. it's market research. Um, you can back. You'll, we'll just wait for a nice paper to write the write-up and then we'll be good. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and then what's your last thing? Yeah, so my last one is one of those things that I really hope it does take extreme importance in this industry, but social responsibility. Um, I think that a lot of companies are afraid to touch on this subject because it is very scary when you look at the history of the U.S. and how systematically communities of color were dismantled with the war on drugs. But if you're going to be making a profit off of this and the people that were hurt in this war can't even work in the industry further putting them behind economically, because this is going to be a multi-billion dollar industry. This is going to be bigger than the supplement market, right? You, you look at cannabis and its therapeutic potential, not just in pharmacology, but in cosmetics, in food. You can literally incorporate it into every part of your life. This isn't alcohol, right? Alcohol is to get drunk. It's very linear. Mm-hmm. Weed is not linear. You can use it for so many things. Yes, I use it recreationally. Getting high is fun. But more often than not, I'm using it to de-stress at the end of the day, the way I would with a glass of wine, or I'm putting it on my face because I don't want to do Botox and I would like to keep my, <laughs> the, 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 the circumference of my pores. Yes. Same. So, right. That's, that's all anybody wants. <laughs> um, so for me, social responsibility is really, really important. And I think that we've seen a lot of industries get it wrong in the sense that, you know, even when you're looking at the environment and taking care of the environment, the UN just announced that what we have 20 years left. Do you see any massive brand reducing their packaging? No, no. And that would make a huge impact on the environment. So I think that, you know, unfortunately, in capitalistic societies, social responsibility, it always is the burden of the consumer, right? Those products tend to be more expensive um, because they have lower margins because they are giving back. So for me, whether it's having, you know, legislators think about this, and that's something that we do lobby for is that if you're going to participate in this industry, you should probably be paying it back to the communities that help build this industry for you. Mm-hmm. But also, um, this is just kind of a cry to consumers that you really need to research your products because a lot of people that are profiting off of this industry right now, like John Bain, are the very people that um, instituted some pretty awful policies, you know, um, decades ago that have hurt people. Um, So yeah, old John Boehner, (laughs) he's uh, invested in a bunch of cannabis companies. So, you know, whether it's where your dispensary is from or the products that you're buying, I do think that as time goes on and as more companies become successful, because right now it is very much so fragmented. We live in a feudal system, a feudal state system where California has their own regulations. New York is probably going to be recreationally legal very soon because Cuomo now feels like he's in a competition with Jersey, which whatever, (laughs) go for it, Cuomo. Um, His ego is being hurt, so he's moving quickly. Um, And so I would say that, you know, really being careful about how you buy things, because at the end of the day, I think in five, 10 years, we may see a backlash. and 
it's just such an easy thing to hire diversely. And also it's good for business. Like I always get really confused when people are like, it's so hard to hire diversely. I've heard that throughout my career. I'm like, uh, we do things that are much harder than this every single day. And also this is going to lead to profit. Like I would like to be profitable. Um, so that's one thing. And then also for, for me, you know, you look at a brand like Lowell Farms in California and I don't know how many people they've hired, but they did make an effort to hire people that have been convicted of prior crime, um, Mm, drug crimes. That's interesting. So yeah, it's a very simple thing to do. You know, there are going to be so many jobs um, that are going to become available. Like if you look at the state of New York, from everything from manufacturing all the way to, you know, development and engineering and product and marketing. Um, And when you look at kind of, you know, job entry programs for people who are coming out of prison, it's really bleak. Um, You know, I've worked with a few organizations and at the end of the day, it's like the best you can hope for is like kitchen work or, um, you know, janitorial services and things like that. And I think there's such an opportunity to kind of open up a space where that, you know, you have a job, there's less recidivism, you know, it's just kind of going to be better for everybody. So for me, social responsibility is such an easy thing to add on to your company. Um, It takes very little, like for Lowell, they're like, we're just going to hire a few people and it's gotten them so much, you know, goodwill and a good halo effect that I think that if you're not thinking about that, you need to evaluate who you are as a person because it's really important. Yeah. Um, And don't be blind. Like, you know, it's, if you can't, if you can't look at this, I'm like, you probably should be checking your privilege because it's a very obvious thing for everybody who's outside of the industry. Um, so for me, it's like, this isn't kale. I always say that I'm like, you're not, (laughs) it's an agricultural product, but you're not buying kale. Like this physical product has hurt so many people and we need to do better. Um, not simply for bottom lines. Cause I think that's such an easy way for companies to get out of taking responsibility for, and you know, accepting the consequences of their actions is that, you know, there are individuals that make company and you need to do better. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. That is an an incredibly important message for so many different reasons, but I I can definitely, you know, it, it feels like we're, we're experiencing this new, um, this new opening in an industry that's certainly been around for all of our lives and is something that, you know, we grew up, knowing about in a very different means. But the fact that there are now, you know, brands like Dosist and and MedMen who are, you know, building what are, you know, corporate, like uh, larger companies, lots of opportunity, that that need for making, ensuring that sustainability, that diversity, like the setting the right tone for the way that the industry continues to flourish. It's, it's such a critical time. And so I think Mm -hmm. that is such an important message. Um, thank you so much for that. There's so many good nuggets and, and anyone who's (laughs) listening who is, you know, embarking in, whether it's in the cannabis space or otherwise, I think that all of these points are very, very critical in assessing and ensuring that, uh, you're making the right moves for your, for your product and for your business as a whole. So, um, thank you for your brain. That was awesome. Yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so I'd love to talk a little bit about the future of nice paper. Yeah. Um, what's kind of, what's happening for you guys? What's, what's in store for the next year? 
also keep playing that content game. We're really excited about a couple of shoots that are coming out and then collaborations. So working with mainstream brands and brands in the cannabis space to do collaboration products that are limited editions. So um, we've done education programs for brands like By Chloe, the vegan chain um, that's actually now expanded to a lot of um, a lot of cities in the U.S. But you know, we helped curate their entire store. We did education for them, um, helped them with the branding of it, etc. Um, and then more recently, we came out with our first product, where we worked with the yoga brand Y7, and we came out with a bath soak and a pain salve mm. um, powered by Weed Sport, which is one of our favorite topical brands, and. Um, basically, it was a brand that we know and trust that created a product that kind of fit the minimum requirements of what you need. Or for us, we actually upped the the requirements, but for what you need for pain, right? So for if you're looking at a topical and you need it for pain, you want to be looking at around 200 milligrams per ounce. So... Yeah, so we created a 250 milligram per ounce uh, topical and then a bath soak, which was really fun. It came out beautifully. We launched that maybe two weeks ago. Awesome. And then, um, thank you. And then two days ago, yesterday, I can't even keep track, but we launched something with Soul Addict, which is one of our favorite tincture brands. They also make this really good like vegan Nutella CBD. It's delicious, Mm. but they are vertically integrated. And um, Laura, who owns the um, farm and the brand, she actually grew her first hemp crop. So with that harvest, they wanted to do pre-rolls. So we actually have hemp pre-rolls with them. Oh, wow. smell incredible. They smoke extremely well. I like smoking because of the bioavailability and how fast it hits your system, right? Like I love an edible, but I don't have two hours to wait for this CBD to kick in. (laughs) It also needs to be a really high dose because your stomach will destroy CBD. It's not like THC. THC will actually strengthen in your stomach. That's why when the THC edible hits, you're in a different state of mind. Yeah. But when you smoke, it's a very quick um, bioavailability. And then also I love the ritual of smoking. I am half French, so it's better to reach for that. Yeah, it's in your bloodstream. But another thing. So yeah, we just launched that and I'm really excited. And uh, we're also working on a skincare line that we just raised um, or that we just opened the raise round for the friends and family. And basically, we in our research have found that skincare is going to be really big with cannabis. So um, working with a chemist and we're coming out with our own skincare line. That's not nice paper branded, but that uh, has a lot of the same company values. Oh, that's incredible. Well, I cannot wait to see more about that. I'm sure it's going to be the coolest brand in the market (laughs) to you guys in advance. (laughs) Um, A lot of of very exciting things. And I can can definitely um, imagine many more partnerships for you guys rolling out, you know, over time, because it's such a, it's such a great way for brands who, you know, don't currently sit in the space to do something authentic with a, you know, super cool site like nice paper and, and find an interesting way to kind of bring, bring that industry to their industry, which I love. I think that that's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so to kind of round this up and and (laughs) take it back to kind of an esoteric place, if you had the chance to have an intimate dinner with three of your role models, they can be living or dead. Where would you go and who would you invite? So 
hearkening back to kind of who's been inspiring me a lot lately. I honestly would just go pure politics because I think these women are fascinating. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yes. you know, yeah. good old RBG, Michelle <laughs> Obama, and then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think they just represent, you know, three different, um, you know, pillars and kind of where politics is going. And I just can't even imagine what the conversations would be. That, that would, would be the most incredible. Dinner table. It would be amazing. And then we'd go to Lighthouse because that's my neighborhood spot. If you're ever in Brooklyn, you have to go to Lighthouse. It's incredible. We're going to be doing a drink soon, but they're amazing. Very cool. And so let's let all of our listeners know where they can find you. Plug your site, your socials, all the good stuff. It's pretty simple. So we have a website, uh, benicepaper.com. And then we're also on Instagram at it's nice paper. Somebody took the handle. So we're still at uh, nice paper. <laughs> okay, you'll get it at some point. But I like it's nice paper. <laughs> I know it is nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Charlotte, thank you so much for your time. This has been like truly insightful. And you guys are really, um, you're really just taking a, a very interesting and relatable stance to um, a space that, as you know, uh, raises a lot of questions and is a lot of unknowns for a lot of consumers today. So thank you for all that you're contributing and, and your rad perspective on everything, really. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening to Sessions brought to you by Matt Black and the Shapeshift Report. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe and rate the pod on iTunes because we love you. Thank you guys all so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.